I don't hang around, Dom. You know that. I just no, go in I and I get out. Forensic. Here goes. Welcome back to Coach Class with me, Dom Birch. This is the podcast where I get to speak to inspirational leaders. And I'm absolutely delighted this morning to welcome onto the podcast Dom Smales. Now, Dom most recently headed up Gleam Futures, uh, which became part of Dentsu. We met each other probably about 10 years ago in a basement in Covent Garden, where he showed me things on his mobile phone that blew my head off. Dom, welcome to Coach Class. Thanks for having me, Dom. This is an utter pleasure. So this is Dom Squared. And of course, we also know another Dom, which is like a mate of my brother's from university, which we found out many years ago, which was really, really strange. Uh, and he has a brother called Greg, as so do I. So anyway, we're not going to go there. But what... No, I didn't realise the Greg connection as yeah. well. <laughs> no. So when we first met, I had been at a YouTube office meeting and they were telling me about this crazy world of YouTube and influencers and they probably weren't even called that at the time and I was like oh my god this is like PR on steroids but without having to bother the sun and the daily mail I can just go straight to the audience and I said who's doing this in the UK and they said oh there's a guy called Dom Smells who runs Glee and so I said right I'm gonna go see him and I came to see you and I think I came with Nadia and we sat downstairs in a basement and there were probably three or four of you you know the rest is history but some of the things you talked to me about that day the vision that you had of the future most of that came true right and this must have been 2011 2012 i guess that we met and yes it it went crazy from that point in pretty much and what was it that you saw because i'm really interested you spotted something that was about to happen there was going to be this shift in media in i guess even in the sense of what is it to be a celebrity what is it to be a content creator you know, the most profound bit you noticed was brands were going to want part of that action. And there was an opportunity for you to broker managing the talent, but also introducing them to brands like Asda to grab some of their marketing spend bluntly. There was no massive epiphany moment. Uh, I didn't have this really clear blinding vision that led me through the last decade to where we are now. It was more around the fact that. I had reached a point in my life where I needed to make a change to my lifestyle. Um, the, the long story centers around me having a, I had a big health issue and uh, it caused me to completely change the course of my life, I guess. And I made a decision to want to start my own business, but the business that I wanted that I started wasn't the business that you met in that basement in Covent Garden. It was a social media consultancy, pretty much like a one-man band social media consultancy. And my background up to that point was in uh, media and entertainment, I guess, but much more on the uh, kind of like a commercial side of things in media and entertainment, i.e. I was selling ad space. So I, I started selling ad space in local newspapers, then I went, uh, and this is after a brief stint in marketing agencies as well. So I knew about you know, brand marketing and that kind of thing. Then I went and sold ad space in local newspapers. Then I went and sold ad space in big newspapers. And then I went and sold ad space in radio stations and magazines. And so I knew all about the value of media, basically, up to the point that I went and ran a production company, which had agents in it. And those agents were managing presenters. And so I've got a little taste of that. These are all the ingredients that went into this random pot. Then I had my big health thing and I kind of like came out the other side thinking, oh, I've got to start my own business. What can I, what do I know about? And, this, and, and at that point, 
Facebook was beginning to gather serious traction amongst a generation online. Not just, you know, it's become, beginning to be a bit popular with a few people. It was like a generational pivot, like a shift in the way that people consumed and communicated, consumed entertainment and communicated with each other, I guess. And that, that tweaked my interest. Then I found YouTube and then I made the jump basically. I'm right, I'm going to start my own business in this and just be a consultant. I was lucky enough at that point, And I will add the word luck in here because, you know, it, there, there's a healthy dose of that. I think in any entrepreneur's story is that it needs lots of things, but it also needs a bit of luck and timing and all of that kind of stuff. And I met because I spotted online two girls making YouTube videos, teaching people how to do makeup. And they were qualified makeup artists and they were full of charisma. And they did a great job of presenting these videos. And I was doing a bit of consultancy for Chanel at the time, which, again, lucky to be working with such an amazing brand, an amazing door opener brand in the beauty sector, beauty and fashion sector. And I was able to, you know, drop these girls an email through YouTube's direct message system and say do you want some do you want to hear about what i'm doing with chanel and of course i said yes and we met and, uh off it went and the moment was the realization that these girls entertainment platform online was going to only grow and talent like theirs was only going to become more important it wasn't important at all at the time nobody was doing anything commercial with it at all and then just jumping on that um bandwagon as it were not that there was a bandwagon to jump on, but like jumping on that idea that I'm going to side with the talent here rather than the brands. And it was brokering deals. Yes, you know, as you mentioned, thinking about the the value of the media, which I knew about anyway, for brands on their behalf and brokering deals between talent and the brands so that the brands could get some of that credibility that the talent had online. But mainly it was about building a sustainable revenue stream and income for this new breed of talent that hadn't didn't have any kind of infrastructure or support around it at the time and there was a small group of people that were making content online and wanted to do it for a living but they just didn't have the infrastructure and so it became about building brands it became about building careers it became about building sustainable and varied diverse income streams yes brands were part of that but that's that was the the start and I'm going to challenge you on this luck thing, right? So Kim Morgan, who is the founder of Barefoot Coaching, which, you know, I've just been on and I was chatting to her the other week, but she says luck is where preparation meets opportunity. Yes. Yeah. But luck plays a part in that, I guess. And yes, there's preparation and opportunity. But if you think about it, I suppose I had prepared in terms of my career up to that point for that moment. But if I'd have been a florist or another career, then all of those routes wouldn't have crossed paths at that moment that, you know, I met Sam and Nick and Twig that they were going to be more important and influential than they were right then. Let's fast forward a little bit then, because because through those years, then suddenly you had this talent pool, and they became brands in their own right. And I remember, you know, I, I was fortunate to kind of get in early enough. So I consider myself to be a mid adopter, right? I'm never really an early adopter. I'm kind of one of those people that gets ground down by reading about stuff enough times. Eventually I go, oh, bloody hell. All right then. You know, so like cryptocurrency, I'm just about to buy some, you know, like people are going, yeah, it was 2008, Tom. Um, but I was lucky enough to sort of get in a little bit early and to see that sort of really develop from being something that was just getting going to becoming real brands. You know, I, I remember the, one of the parties we organised with a load of the Halloween guys and one of them had just broken a million subscribers on the night. And within two or three years, 
they you'd had I don't know something like ten best selling Sunday Times you know books in the top ten or whatever. Mm. There were films that were being premiered in Leicester Square that were you know effectively straight to DVD films right they weren't even in the mm. cinema but they were being premiered with a red carpet and mm. you know thousands of kids and you know me and my mate Mac walking down the red carpet and we're going who are these two and then the guy at the bar being this guy Kesey no 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 KSI Dom oh right KSI who now <laughs> is this like global phenomenon right he's a boxer he's appearing at Leeds that whole world just exploded. It did. And all of the circumstances were right for that in that, you know, the technology and infrastructure for the technology was at a point where you can quite easily as a Joe public create and stream content to a decent quality and create it with technology that wasn't going to cost you the absolute earth. You can download an editing program or it came, you know, free with a bit of kit that you bought or whatever. And people were able to make content and put it online. And as ever, a kind of like a generation, a young generation will adopt something and run with it if they can make it their own. And I, I, I mean, it's a much bigger conversation, longer conversation, I guess, than for, uh, for this. And maybe we'll have part two. But has that momentum peaked and gone over the brow of the hill for a generation? And should we be thinking about actually what's next instead of, you know, fueling this influencer marketing movement? And I want to ask you about that because I, I observed through those sort of mid-years, let's say five, six years ago, that you were very protective of the family of talent. And actually, there was a family, wasn't there? Because people were actually interconnected both. They were, you know, they were actually brothers and sisters. They were going out with one another. They became friends through Gleam. And so you did have this kind of very tight ecosystem. And I remember observing that your primary sort of goal, if you like, was to set these guys up for life to actually create something that was sustainable for them so that they could walk away if they wanted to did you sort of feel like you know without i don't know maybe fatherly's too much but did you feel a sense of duty to protect these people that had come from you know obscurity into suddenly starring on a saturday night and strictly um yeah i did I mean, the reason that we worked together was because we liked each other as well. And that was kind of part of my manifesto for setting out on my own back in 2010 was that I wanted to work with people that I liked. I saw it as such a rare jewel as well, what was happening at that point, that my what my urge, my instinct to protect it was very strong and protect the people in it um, as well as the thing that it was becoming, i.e. what has now become you know, the influencer world and influencer ecosystem. It was a very rare thing and it could have easily been derailed by um, people not associating enough value to what it was creating, by the relationship with the audience and the media and all of that kind of stuff. And just with the greatest respect, passing it off as PR because there was a, there was a culture in PR of it's about people were being sent free things and then expecting that that the media created off the back of it would be justify the free product, for example. And there was a really subtle difference between what was happening here, i.e. with self-creators and what was happening in legacy media, the press, etc., was that these guys were doing it, they were creating their own media for their own living. And it, it no one else was paying them, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And they would stop otherwise. So one of my big motivations to start with was to be able to provide them with the means to be able to do it for a living rather than a hobby, which they would have to stop 
in a couple of years as their responsibilities grew or they wanted to move on to the next stage of life. I wanted to create a sustainable income for these guys and, you know, generations below them, I guess, as well, so that it, it did become a thing because it was worth it. It was, I was absolutely fascinated by it after having been involved in legacy media and media sales for my whole career. I was absolutely blown away by the connection between the talent and the audience and, and wanted to preserve it. Now, the other thing you were brilliant at was spotting talent and noticing people who had that special ingredient, and I'm going to call it X Factor, but I know that's tarnished now by the ITV program, but had something about them that wasn't just that they were creative, but they were professional, that they were going to work their backsides off, that they were going to learn and iterate. And that there was something in them, some drive, some passion. There was something that made them the entire package because, you know, everyone was, everyone's a YouTuber now, everyone's an influencer. But what you created through that group of people were people that have independently now gone on and justified that investment, the faith that you showed in them. I mean, you, you, were, you were particular, weren't you, about who you brought in, not just because you liked them. Yeah, totally. And it needs... As the whole entertainment industry does, it needs someone with a work ethic that will allow them to be able to fulfill commitments that come with, you know, accelerating upwards through your career. It needs more and more commitment. And like everything, you know, generally success needs a lot of hard work. I'll correct you a little bit in that I didn't create them. I joined the dots um, rather than actually creating talent. Talent was there anyway. And actually... The people that I joined the dots for and gave access to, you know, professional resources and protected their rights when it came to doing big commercial deals and small commercial deals as well that that grew them as and their income, etc. They had all of the, you know, the 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 basic tools anyway. They had the work ethic, they had the creativity, they had the charisma, the ability to connect with audiences on a global scale in a lot of cases as well. And actually, that's really really rare. So you have to look out for that. And I think it's much harder to find that now because, of course, the, the the whole marketplace, the whole kind of like ecosystem is enormous now. Like back then, there were like 10,000 people tops that would call themselves content cre- professional content creators if you logged into one of those you know, websites like Social Blade or whatever. Now there's something like, I don't know, 80 million content creators in the world or something ridiculous like that. Like, it's all over the place. So the ability to be able to call out what good looks like is much harder, much harder. But back then, and also, like this wasn't a family thing. This is a community thing. So it was communities of creators that were coming together. And the community as well, like everything, you you like to surround yourself with people that are as good as you or inspire you and are better than you. And that whole thing happened much more efficiently back then when, when there were so few people at it especially people that would have the perseverance, tenacity and kind of like consistency to succeed. There were few fewer people. So it did quickly become like a family, a community that um, everybody was kind of like helping each other on. Now, you're extremely humble and gracious about your success. Would you accept that you are successful, that you have been an amazing success in your career? Glean Futures achieved a lot of success. What would you put that down yeah. to then, Don? What, what, as you look back and reflect on it, you know, that past decade, of going from that basement in Covent Garden to taking the organisation to, you know, I don't know how many people you had at the, at, towards the end, like 100 people in that beautiful place in Charlotte Street. What, what are the ingredients of that success as you look back? I know and like people and I've been good at spotting talent and I mean talent both 
in the traditional sense, but also talent, internal talent. So finding people who were going to be brilliant doing their jobs at Gleam and Gleam wouldn't have got anywhere near to the levels of success that it did get to if it wasn't for the team of people that were put together under its roof. And the talent felt like part of that team as well. So that I pinpoint as the major ingredient for the success that Gleam Futures enjoyed. So here we are now, 2021. What's next? Well, first of all, I exited Gleam completely now. All eyes for what's next. I am fascinated by a number of things, one of which is the rise of the subscriber and subscription ecosystem. So what happens when you try and create that really unique um, relationship between an entertainer and the audience, and you just concentrate on that relationship, i.e. what content the, the entertainer will make for an audience, and you don't let the advertiser come into that relationship. You base their relationship on the fact that the audience will pay a small subscription in order not to have the content polluted by the advertiser basically so it's much more pure i'm really interested to see how that evolves for platforms like twitch patreon and OnlyFans, and have co-founded a business in the meantime called glow project with a friend of mine who i met oh 10 11 years ago when she was starting out as a model and i booked her for a shoot uh, for a hair tutorial video as a hair model and we've remained in touch ever since made friends and I was fascinated by her journey as a, a model into content creator and then onto content creator specifically just for subscription sites and the the really bona fide living that she was making on subscription sites. It was, yeah, I think that's an interesting relationship to explore uh, in the future. Uh, I'm also fascinated by the way that brands are built now versus 10 years ago and uh, the direct-to-consumer relationship that um, can happen with a brand and how to facilitate and help grow those brands and considering businesses in that sphere as well, uh, supporting, investing, that kind of thing. And I'll watch with interest uh, as those two areas evolve. I'm also advising here and there for businesses in a non-exec capacity, businesses like Blogosphere, who I think were at the heart of the creator ecosystem and have protected vehemently the editorial value of what creators do on platforms like YouTube, Instagram, and so on. So I'm really excited about that. But I'm generally, um, I'm looking at premium relationship between audience and creator and all of the offshoots of that in the future. Listen, I could chat to you all day, as you know, but we run out of time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been a pleasure <laughs> catching up with you. I love catching up with you. Every time we've spent time together, we've had fun, whether that's here yeah. or Zooms or whatever. Um, I find you very inspirational. I know that you've been very generous to me over my career. And and I think we, you know, I just think it's just been fascinating watching the journey. I remember writing a blog about Gleam maybe eight years ago and just thinking about how this world was just changing everything and how people would vote differently in the future and expect different things you know I thought it was a fundamental shift I remember observing it and just thinking it was fascinating to be have the privilege of being on the inside a little bit and just seeing the workings out as it as it developed but Dom it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you thank you so much for taking the time I look forward with interest to see where you decide to venture next but in the meantime thank you so much for coming on to coach class and thank you Dom and listen and not to turn this into a smoke blowing session but 
you you shouldn't downplay the fact that you were way ahead on this as a brand marketer and spotted you. I would cite you as one of the three people in Gleam's entire history that were pivotal in terms of getting it and then supporting that journey from a uh, commercial and brand perspective. So it, it, you're really uh, you're way early. Well, in that case, I might have to change my mid-adopter profile. <laughs> Go for early. Go for early. Mid to early. Mid to early. Dom, Smiles, thank you so much for coming on to Coach Class. Thanks, mate.